This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Better you bet. We'll give you an edge to beat the spread and so much more. What do we call that? Wagertainment. It's you better you bet from BetQL. Three more hours here to go. You better you bet presented by BetMGM. PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller with you until 7 o'clock Eastern time. Filling in for Nick Costos and Ken Barkley. A reminder... Now that it's 4 o'clock, we are with you for the next two hours over on Stadium. You can go to watchstadium.com, can check us out over there, or you can continue listening to us on Sirius Channel 160, Sirius XM 205. We're also still on twitch.tv slash BetQL, YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports, or you can listen to us for free on the Odyssey app. So, Mark, we were just talking about the Chargers. Obviously, Jim Harbaugh uh, taking over there in L.A., Greg Roman, the new O.C., and Jesse Minter, the new defensive coordinator. We have not talked about the Patriots yet, who were the first team, actually, that hired a new coach in this new cycle. Obviously, parting ways with Bill Belichick, not bringing him back, and they decide to go with Gerard Mayo. They could have gone with Vrabel. A lot of people thought that's where they were going once Tennessee got rid of him, but they decided to go with Mayo. So your thoughts on going with 37-year-old and, uh, you know, not going with uh, with Mike Vrabel, obviously, with all his ties to New England and all the success that he's had as a head coach. Kraft instead going with the young, young Gerard Mayo. Yeah, I mean, my understanding, I think I read some stuff to where it was already set. Like, it was already worked into Mayo's contract that he was going to be the next guy. Um, I know that a lot of talk with Josh McDaniels when he was there, people were wondering if he was trying to wait out bill or whatnot, but I love the Mayo hire. I think it all makes sense. If you were to kind of, if that was the expectation from Mayo that it was talked about previously, you can't really pull the rug out and bring in Vrabel. I just think it sets, it's just not, you don't want to treat, you know, your employees like that. So I like Mayo though. I think it's definitely warranted. It gives them like a new fresh, uh, you know, perspective culture. I, I like it. I think, as good as a fit as he is and as good as I think he can be, being a coach in the NFL comes down to the staff you build around you and it comes down to the quarterback. And they got to fix this quarterback situation. And that's why I know Marvin Harrison Jr. is tied to him in a lot of mock drafts. But I don't think you can go that route unless you bring in an answer at quarterback. So my question for you, PJ, if you were Robert Kraft, what direction would they be going in? Would it be bring in a guy like Kirk Cousins, who you know can win games, might not be able to win you the big game, but might be willing to find out, and, you know, take Marvin Harrison Jr., or you take a Jaden Daniels, a Drake May, get the wide receiver later, maybe a wide receiver in the second round, upper second round, not sure what guys would be available. You might have an idea off the top of your head, but what direction would you go if you were running the Patriots? 
Yeah, I, I think the Patriots are in a good spot. I really do. <clears throat> Me personally, what I think I would do is I, I would see if the Bears would take a second-round pick for Justin Fields, which I think they probably would. I would trade a second-round pick, make Justin Fields my quarterback, and then i take Marvin Harrison at number three overall. And that way you get a quarterback and you get a number one wide receiver. Now, you certainly could get Jaden Daniels at three or Drake May at three if he ends up falling or whatever quarterback you want to get. And this receiver class is so loaded that you certainly could get a wide receiver in the second round. But I just think getting Justin Fields, who I really think getting that uh, offensive coordinator, Alex Van Pelt, to come over for the Browns, like I think a Stefanski-type offense is really going to do good things for Justin Fields. Like, play action, build a running game, get him moving, you know, mobile, like constantly keep him running. I mean, Luke Getze, like what he did with the Bears for the first like month, five, six weeks of the season with Fields was like, it, it just, it drove me crazy. I, they, they didn't run him. Like why? Like it, it just, they didn't run him. They just didn't run Justin Fields and it made absolutely no sense. Like when the Ravens don't run Lamar, drives me crazy. I get you're trying to develop him as a passer and he's a great quarterback and he's got arm talent, but like at the end of the day, what makes him unique is his legs, his athletic ability. Like that's what separates him apart. How many times in his rookie year did we see Justin Fields go for like 50, 60 yards, right? I mean, all these linebackers, safeties trying to catch him. So I think a change of scenery could do him good. Obviously he went to school at Ohio state. He went to, he's played quarterback in Chicago, the cold weather won't phase them. So New England, Foxborough won't be an issue. I like the idea of trading for fields, drafting Marvin Harrison, because to me, Mark, the safest player in this draft, I think is Marvin. I mean, I know offensive linemen typically are like the safest play. I like Joe Alt. I like the kid out of Penn State. I think both of them will be good players. I really do like the quarterbacks in this draft too, but you just never know. I think Marvin Harrison is like, that's the guy I look at and I have the most confidence that like he won't be a bust. Like he, he's just so smooth. He does everything well. And uh, I just think it'd be, it, it would be good to get fields with him. And then you try to build the offense around those two guys. So to answer your question, if I was the GM of the Patriots, that is what I would do. What about you? What would you do if, uh, if you were new England? I think if I'm going to draft Marvin Harrison Jr., I'm probably trying to bring in Kirk Cousins. Uh, like, I need a quarterback that I know can at least get me to the playoffs. And I don't know that about Justin Fields. Listen, I, I, I like Justin Fields. I liked him. I thought San Francisco should have drafted him. I liked him at Ohio State. Um, we, we have to see, right? There's there's some things that are still a little bit concerning about his passing game. Um, but I, I would probably do that. Like, I think if New England trades for Fields, and let's say he's not in the top 15, right? Let's say it's, he's bottom half of the league as a quarterback when we're ranking these quarterbacks in two years. You're just setting the franchise back. Like, like he might be better than Mac Jones, but if he's not really a difference maker, you know, in the offense, then you're just spinning your wheels. And I, I don't think that they can afford to do that after what they went through the past couple of years, um, you know, with, you know, Belichick trying to rebuild the team and with Mac Jones. I think you have to get a quarterback that you can depend on if you're not going to draft a Drake Mayer or Jaden Daniels. And I'm not sure that – I think I would rather have – I'd be more comfortable with Cousins. It's going to cost you a lot more money. You know what I mean? Then Justin Fields, but you're at the pay fields eventually if he does a good job. I just, 
I just feel like there's there's a lot of risk with Justin Fields. I know he's being linked to Pittsburgh and New England. I'm not 100% sure. It seems like he's like the default answer to teams not drafting a quarterback this year. I'm not sure he's better than the top three quarterbacks on the board here. Mm. What do you think is going to happen with uh, Russell Wilson? I mean, you and I have talked a lot this week about Fields. We've talked about Cousins. Do you think Russell Wilson is going to be a week one starter for a team in the NFL next season? I think so. I think he's still good, too good not to, right? Yeah, I think there's a difference between a guy like Russell Wilson and Jimmy Garoppolo, even though Russell Wilson is moving more towards the Garoppolo tier, right? You know, but I do think Wilson needs to be an environment that is going to hold, um, you know, him accountable and kind of give him a reset. Obviously, it didn't work in Denver. Uh, and the way it started was not good, right? He had his own office. He's kind of was like the Russell Wilson show. So, you know, they needed to humble him a little bit bring him into a new, maybe the Patriots are that organization. You know, maybe Jared Mayo could do that. Maybe they bring in Russell Wilson and they draft Marvin Harrison Jr. And if you get him in an offense, it's the fancy like offense where there's not too much on his shoulders and a running game, which New England likes is, is the foundation of, you know, their attack. Maybe that does work. You know, maybe it's Atlanta. You know, there's a couple teams out there that need quarterbacks. Maybe it's, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's the giants. They bring them in to compete with Daniel Jones. Who knows? Uh, but I do think he'll land somewhere. I, I just stick with the Patriots. Like, I'm just not on board, on as on board as everybody else with this, oh, we can just draft Justin Fields instead of drafting Drake May. Like, I don't know if that's a great idea. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting decision for New England. Not only do they decide to go young at quarterback or do they decide to go with the pocket passer at quarterback if they end up going with one of the free agent guys, do they decide to go with somebody mobile? It's going to be interesting. Who's your favorite player in this draft class? I told you I like I like Marvin Harrison Jr. I think he's going to be the safest one. He's my favorite prospect. Do you have a favorite prospect in this upcoming draft class? I think it is Harrison Jr. I, I think everybody loves it. He's proud. If we're talking, you know, like how good they are at their position, I, I think, you know, Harrison, a wide receiver is the best. It's just wide receivers aren't as important as the quarterback position, or he'd be the number right. one pick in the draft. But I think it's definitely Marvin Harrison Jr. And I'm not saying don't draft him. Like, I think he deserves to be drafted in the top three. He's that type of player. He can be that type of di- difference maker. And especially if you are going to get a young quarterback, he he could be, you know, one of the catalysts that kind of helps that quarterback develop. That's really what you want to do. You want to get the the triangle going, right? You want to get the play caller in place. You want to get the quarterback in place. And you want to give the wide receiver. Before, you know, with the Dallas Cowboys, it used to be, you know, the the – the quarterback, the wide receiver, and the running back. That was kind of what you needed to have the offense. Now it's the play caller and not the running back. Not that running backs don't matter. They don't matter as much as the play caller. So I think they need to move towards getting that in place. Um, but I, I just – I don't know. I think it's risky if if a team like New England just trades for Justin Fields and, and kind of kicks it down the road. Like, what if Justin Fields is not that much better than Mac Jones, you know, it, when it's all said and done? Like, what do you do at that point? Now you're – now Mayo's behind the eight ball. It's going to be interesting to see what New England does at three because if they don't take Marvin Harrison, Arizona's right there at four. 
And Arizona certainly could take Marvin to give Kyler Murray a number one wide receiver, or they could get a lot of trade calls from teams who are looking to, you know, move up and get their teams a number one wide out. Because remember, Arizona's got those two first round picks. They got theirs, and then they got Houston's from last year when the Texans traded up to get Will Anderson. So the top of the board in the draft this year really is just it's, it's as good as I can remember. Obviously, the decision that the Bears are trying to make, then if they end up getting a quarterback, who does Washington go with? What does New England do? Arizona, it's going to be really, really good. Can't wait. Another team that needs a lot of help, Mark, is the Tennessee Titans. And they made a little bit of a surprising move, getting rid of Mike Vrabel, who obviously had taken them to an AFC championship game one of the better coaches in the NFL. They go get Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator from Cincinnati, and Tennessee's got a lot of question marks. Looks like Derrick Henry's probably not going to be back. They're going to move on. Will Levis probably is going to be their quarterback moving forward. What was your reaction when you saw Callahan was going to be the head coach of Tennessee? Did you like the move by the Titans? I was surprised. I was shocked. I mean, not only that Vrabel left, but they went in that direction, but this screams Will Levis. Like, this is about the development of Will Levis, which makes me wonder, and I, I don't know any information about this. This is purely speculation on my part. You know, did Mike Vrabel not believe that Will Levis is the answer there in Tennessee? And is that why things didn't work out there? You know, I'm not so sure because it seems like this type of hire is solely like, hey, you know, we have to make sure that we develop Will Levis. And Vrabel might not have the patience for a young quarterback. Maybe he wanted Tannehill back. He said, guys, you trade away A.J. Brown. It was an awful move. Now you're telling me to let go of Tannehill, and you want to know why I don't score any points. And that could possibly have been the crux of the disagreement that led to his dismissal. Not so sure, just speculation on my part, but the hire just screams that this is about molding Will Levis as the quarterback of the future for the Tennessee Titans. I was a big on Levis coming out of the draft. Not big on him now. Not sure it's the right move, but we're going to find out. We are going to find out. I know when he got inserted into that game middle of the year, he threw four touchdowns, and everybody was like, whoa, maybe Tennessee's found something. And then the more and more as the year goes on, there were some good moments, and there were certainly some bad moments. I was with you. I was surprised. It feels like there's always a hire or two every year that kind of is off the board and nobody really seems coming, and this is certainly probably that move with Callahan. Um, after they got rid of Vrabel, and having Levis there, you figured they would probably go with an offensive-minded head coach. But again, to not you know maybe wait and see if Ben Johnson was interested, or maybe go in your own division and get Bobby Slowick or get one of these other offensive-minded like up-and-coming guys. I guess they were impressed with you know what Callahan was able to do with Jake Browning and uh, how well he yeah. played down the stretch for the Bengals. That's probably what sold Tennessee on giving him the job. But certainly interesting. And he they also get Denard. Right? So maybe that was part about it. They knew it was kind of like a package deal with the dad so you could help with the offensive line. Yeah, good point. Good point. Defensive coordinator Denard Wilson also comes over from Baltimore. And then Nick Holes is going to be the new OC for Tennessee as well. Mark, if you had to make a bet on which team is going to finish with the worst record for next season, would you place it on the Patriots or the Titans? <sighs> 
it's hard because I don't know what the Patriots quarterback situation is, but I would probably place it on the Titans. I, I think the Titans are in rebuild, start over mode. The roster's not that good. Vrabel's not there to squeeze all the juice out of, you know, those players uh, that get the most out of them. I mean, that's what Vrabel did best. The roster wasn't good. He was still able to win games that he shouldn't. You know, is that going to continue with Callahan there? I don't think so. So I would probably take the Patriots over the Titans. How about you? I think I would take the Patriots just because I think their division's a little harder. And I do think they end up going with the rookie quarterback. I think there are going to be a lot of growing pains there, especially with Mayo in his first year. You know, as much uh, flack as Belichick took because of what a bad GM he was and the lack of talent on that roster, he's still got that defense to play at a really high level. And I don't know if Mayo's going to quite get that much out of his defense. And I think the offense is going to look just as bad. So I think both teams are going to stink. But if I had to put my money on it, I would more so take the Patriots. Time to talk some college baseball. Opening day was today. Johnny Venezia at Johnny VTV going to join us to break down some college baseball. Next, You Better You Bet presented by BetMGM, PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller filling in for Nick and Ken. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network, this is BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM from BetQL. You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM, PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller here with you, getting ready to t- talk some college baseball with Johnny VTV in a little bit. A reminder, though, Mark and I are on Stadium, so make sure you go over to Stadium. You can watch us, watchstadium.com. We're also still on Sirius Channel 160, Sirius XM 205, twitch.tv slash BetQL, and YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports. All right, time to talk some college baseball. It was opening day today, and uh, we had some action already take place early this morning. We got some action going on right now and some action going on later tonight. Johnny Venezia joins us at underscore Johnny VTV, MLB, college baseball betting analyst, host of Breaking Bet Podcast. Johnny, I mean, this is this is the day you wait for, man. This is your Christmas. This is your Super Bowl. You love opening day. College baseball is back. So talk about some of the earlier games that have taken place today. I know you were keen in on that Duke-Indiana matchup, and uh, you're following some of the games going on right now as well. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I got to say I love that intro music, and if there was a group to replace Costos and Ken, uh, I don't think I could pick a better group than you guys. Uh, PJ, two two times this week talking about college baseball, and yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Duke, Indiana was a great little appetizer to opening day. We had Jonathan Santucci returning after a long hiatus, had him pitched since the second week of March last year, where he had 11 punchies in four and a third innings against Wake Forest, and Santucci looked phenomenal. He was touching 97, slider was working, change piece looked great, and uh, he was dominant, and we got home with the under 12, but uh, Indiana was a little money line upset half unit play I had. Yeah. They couldn't bring it together. Their bullpen was absolutely terrible. But, you know, it was a little bit of a wash. But it was it was a great way to start this off. And I think it's worth noting, if Duke can hit kind of the way they did today, we know their pitching is going to be one of the best. It's going to be elite all year, front to back. That's going to be a team that's really going to be dangerous come June because they can absolutely make the College World Series with that formula that they got going on down there in North Carolina. 
Absolutely, Johnny. Talk to me just a little bit about, you know, for the audience that isn't dialed into college uh, baseball and bets more MLB, like what are the differences in your process when handicapping college baseball? I will say college baseball is the hardest sport to handicap. It's one of the hardest Mm -hmm. sports to win, but it's also the most profitable because if you are really in the weeds knowing your research and you put a lot of time in to watch these games and study, then you have a really good chance to be profitable. But the lack of information is so glaring. Mm-hmm. Whereas like if you're going on the NFL or MLB sites, you're able to see a lot of different facts. You're able to see a lot of different stats, not with this sport. You really got to be doing your research. And the thing that people don't understand is baseball in general is the is the hardest sport I think out of out of any sport. It, it's tough to win because pitching is dictating so much of what happens. And if you fail three out of, seven out of ten times, you're considered really good. And now throw in the fact that you have to deal with amateurs, which they're even <laughs> uh, they're even more unpredictable. Uh, for me, it's really doing a lot of watching of the games and looking at stats afterwards to kind of compare what happened and. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, that really gives me the best chance to price the price the lines as best as I can. And also it's important to shop around because you're getting a lot of volatile markets across different books because there's not many books that can really handicap this uh, to a degree where I too. think it's sharp. But Yeah, I was Johnny, just saying so, because of lack of information, it's harder for it's probably harder yeah. for the books as well. And that's probably why you see the volatility. That makes sense. Definitely. Definitely. Johnny, LSU, they're the de- the defending champs. Obviously, they lose skeins, they lose Paul Cruz. They're in action right now, trailing four to three uh to VMI. What can you tell us about LSU heading into this season? It's obviously really hard to repeat in any sport, especially in a college sport. Do you like LSU this season? Do you think they have a chance to repeat? I do. I I like them. I I think they're going to regress. I think they're a team that's probably going to be a little shaky at times in the early part of the year. And I understand it's hard to repeat, but the fact is LSU is so well coached. They still have a lot of talent and their pitching is young, but it's so talented and they have a lot of it. They have guys like Thatcher Hurd who actually ended up having a rough day today in what should have been a a tune-up layup. Uh, he's really good, man. He, he's got first-round stuff this year. And I think the fact is they're guys that are just needing a little bit more reps and they need to build a groove because once they do, they're going to be really tough to beat. It's just a lot of depth, but it's it's also young. Uh, but I think because of how talented they are, they're going to be able to go on a run this year and get back to the College World Series, even though people think I'm crazy. But, uh, you know, I think if you ask me out of the top three teams ranked in terms of odds, LSU, Florida, Wake Forest, I'm going to say LSU goes back if, if you could only pick one to go back to the College World Series. Johnny, we all love long shots, right? It's, it's so fun putting them in. You get these big numbers. But sometimes there's just not value there. When you look further down the, the odds boards in the futures market, is there a team out there that you can think can actually win the World Series 
or maybe even get there. Sometimes, you know, betting the market for them just to get to the College World Series um, can, you know, reap a ton of profit and show a lot of value. Outside of those top teams, if there's anyone further down the line that we should have our eye on? Uh, I have a few, but if you're going to put a gun to my head and give and make you give me one, that's the Northeastern oh, Huskies. I got no guns, so. <laughs> the big one. <laughs> the big one is the Northeastern Huskies. I was in Vegas a okay. month ago for Wild Card Weekend, and while everybody's looking at the NFL, trying to get trying to get numbers, trying to get their bets in at Caesar Sportsbook, I'm looking at college baseball futures. I'd done a little research on Northeastern's team coming into this year, realizing that they're returning, uh, returning almost every one of their starters from last year, and that's a team that went to the regionals a season ago. They, they ran into a buzzsaw at Wake Forest. Can't really help that. And then I'm like, you know, okay, let's let's take a look and see where Northeastern is. Caesars had them at twenty five hundred to one. That's plus two hundred fifty thousand, which means a hundred dollars would you two hundred fifty k. Me and my buddy were like, okay, we're hitting this number right now. And then immediately after I bet it and I tweeted out, within within the next day, it's cut down five times. And then a couple days after that, it's cut down ten times. Everywhere is pretty much 100 to 1 on them, except for DraftKings. You get them at 200 to 1. Guess what, buddy? I hit them again at 200 to 1. I think this team is going to be uh, a College World Series finalist, and I really believe they're going to be a team that has a shot to win it all. They're led by All-American, top 10 projected outfielder Mike Sirota. They have a really good sophomore, Cam Maldonado, who's got power and speed, a dominant, dynamic strike-throwing duo of Avon Cabral and Wyatt Scotty. Scotty going tonight against Arizona. I feel like if we're looking at a, a long shot to really make some noise, it's going to be Northeastern because this is one of the most well-rounded teams in the mid-major market. I really like them, and I think they're going to go far this year. Johnny, there's a top uh, 25 matchup tonight. Tennessee, who I know you like against Texas Tech. What can you tell us about uh, these two teams, and do you have a play in that matchup tonight? So um, this is a really good matchup in the Shriners Classic. It's on Flow Sports. Uh, Flow Sports I I just subscribed to last night. Pretty good stuff thus far. Um, I will say for this Tennessee team, they lost a lot of their pitching. Lost my boy Dolly. He went to the Rockies. Chase Dollander. Uh, they lose Chase Burns. Transferred. Lose Andrew Lindsay. Uh, went to the draft. But I think what the fact is, they still have Drew Beam, who's actually not going tonight. He's he's going to be their ace. But they're going with sophomore AJ Ross, who had a lot of success last year against a Texas Tech team that's got some boppers. They got Gavin Cash, Kevin Bazell, Gage Harrelson. But the problem is Texas Tech can't pitch. That being said. Tennessee was a slow start last year. I feel like I need to see it from them before I'm laying a a minus 180 price against a team that can hit. So for me, if I was playing anything here, maybe Tennessee goes in a little money line parlay or maybe half unit lay 90 to win 50 because while I believe the Volunteers are going to the College World Series this year, I'm not ready to just jump on it laying a, a huge price against a capable team that we've seen had success over the last few years. So... For me, uh, it, it's a half unit or pass play or parlay or pass. No run lines, no totals. Is there any early season edges that we could be looking at? Like maybe a team that had just a lot of you know change in their lineup or a change in their pitching staff to where we could kind of hone in on a team total perspective and maybe look to like play them or fade early. Is there any team specifically like in that mold that comes to mind? 
I'll tell you the team, if, if you want totals, there's going to be a team I'm going to really look at a lot this year. And uh, that's coming off the fact that they have at least 14 runs. I have, I have yet to check an update. That's the Oregon State Beavers. One of my one of my eight finalists for the College World Series this year. The pitching is going to be the big key, but they got a good start from their transfer from Arizona, Aiden May today. This is maybe the best lineup, top to bottom, in the entire country, led by possible top five pick this in this summer's draft, Travis Bazana. They put up fourteen runs and they put up five home runs today, and we're still counting. So I feel like Oregon State's going to score a lot of runs this year. They're probably going to be top 10 in the country uh, by the end of the year in most offensive categories. So I feel like taking a lot of their overs early before markets start to realize how much scoring is going to be going on in their games, uh, I feel like that's going to be something that's going to be profitable for at least the first two, maybe three weeks before the Lions have time to catch up. Johnny, any other bets that you have uh, for tonight on opening day? Anything else that you like? Yeah, I do, actually. So uh, for things that have yet to play, well, we're getting a couple things kick off shortly, but I love the UC Santa Barbara Gauchos. That's going on at 5. They have to travel across country to the Campbell Camels, who is my 2023 darling dark horse. Um, but they got this kid, Matt Ager, going, man. Matt Ager, a junior, first-round potential uh, there was actually talk that he might be the guy that the Brewers might draft uh, to replace Corbin Burns after that trade with that compensatory pick. Uh, Matt Ager is a star. 115 Ks last year, 3.12 ERA. The Gauchos have one of the best pitching staffs in the nation, probably top three, maybe top five at worst. And the thing is, Matt Ager, to me, is a guy that you always have to back in just about any circumstance. Campbell lost so much talent from a year ago. The only big bat they have returning is outfielder Lawson Harrell at 22, Jimmy Jacks. They're pitching, their ace, Cade Cooler, he's gone. They're replacing him with a transfer, Derek Vartanian, who's going tonight. Can't trust that just yet. I got a ride with US, uh, UCSB. I got him at one, minus 130. They're out to minus 150. And the last one I'll say here, guys, Northeastern, who I got at plus 160 at Arizona, they're down to plus 120. But to be honest, I feel like they should be favored in this game. So if you're still getting plus money on Northeastern, despite the heavy movement, I still think that's fair game because I feel like the Huskies are going to be able to put it on Arizona, who does not have great pitching, and they lost a lot of their firepower on offense, led by Chase Davis, first rounder drafted to the St. Louis Cardinals. Great stuff. Johnny Venezia at underscore Johnny VTV, MLB, college baseball betting analyst and host of the Breaking Bet podcast. Johnny, appreciate the time, man. Enjoy rest of opening day. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you as well. That Northeastern Arizona game is going to be good. Northeastern, by the way, ranked 23rd in the country. So they are uh, really, really good. As Johnny mentioned, LSU, the defending champs, they're plus 800 to win it all. Wake Forest, plus 700. Then you got Florida, plus 900. Arkansas, 10 to 1. Vandy at 16 to 1. Tennessee, who we were talking about, they're 18 to 1. And TCU and Texas A&M, both at 20 to 1. So as you would imagine, a lot of firepower in the SEC for college baseball. Tiger Woods, now two over par here in the Genesis Invitational. He's just made a bogey on the sixth hole, and uh, he's in a golf course, uh, golf cart right now, so that's not uh, any good. What do you think, Mark? Is Tiger mm. 
going to make the cut. Right now, he is just below the cut line. It's projected to be plus one. He's at two over par. Do you think Tiger can make the cut? I hope so. I mean, I think we all want to see Tiger. You know, the more Tiger we can watch, the better, the longer he's able to continue. Uh, let's see how it plays out. But I'll, I'll tell you, Johnny, great stuff there, college college baseball, man. I'm, I don't dive in. That's not really my wheelhouse. So I love, like, picking his brain. And when Jake comes on and gives us some stuff, you can tell Johnny's in his bag, though, with all these games going on today. He he loves it. He just locks himself in his room Friday, Saturday nights, watches all these games. I really don't start watching it until like the the tournament, the NCAA tournament. I actually really mm-hmm. like college baseball. Uh when we get to the tournament, for whatever reason, it's like one of the weird sports that like I'm extremely profitable in when we get to the uh the tournament. So that's when I watch it. Johnny kind of does all the prep for me during the regular season, tells me who's good or whatnot. And then I just piggyback off of him, Jake too, and uh, what they like. But Jake, as he told us yesterday, really big on Coastal Carolina. They just had a grand slam to take a 6 nothing lead in the first inning. Coming up next, Cody Zeeb is going to join us. We got opening day of college baseball. We got UFC 298 this weekend. We also have the Daytona 500. Cody's going to drop by, give us some best bets for that. PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller, You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network. Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller filling in for Nick and Ken. We're wrapping up hour number two. Cody Zeeb going to join us here in moments. A reminder, though, Mark and I still on stadiums. Make sure you go to watchstadium.com. We'll be with you until 6 p.m. Eastern time. We're also still on Sirius Channel 160, Sirius XM 205, twitch.tv slash BetQL, YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports. Some breaking news out of the Genesis Invitational. Tiger Woods has withdrawn from the tournament. So obviously it sucks. First tournament of the year for Tiger and just continues to deal with injuries. So he is out of uh, the tournament at Riviera. We will keep you posted on that throughout the show. Time to talk some NASCAR, though. Daytona 500. Cody Zeeb joins us. Follow him on Twitter, at Husker underscore Zeeb, writer for the Sports Gambling Podcast Network and co-host for NASCAR Gambling and F1 Gambling Podcast. Cody, I do a show here on the network at 1 o'clock Eastern time. Send it in. I have one of my best friends on who's at Daytona right now covering. So I was talking a little bit about it with him today. So, you know, I know a little bit, but I'm excited to get another perspective. A driver we did not talk about was A.J. Allmendinger. I want to get your thoughts on his chances this weekend at the Great American Race. Yes, very jealous of your friend. I wish I was there uh, this weekend as well. It's going to be... Might be a little wet, so hopefully uh, he avoids that. But going to be a super good race for the Daytona 500. A.J. Allmendinger, definitely a guy that I've got my eye on coming into this weekend. Um, you know, for people that know NASCAR, well, just to kind of set up, I guess, betting on the Daytona 500, um, it's different than when you get into the later in the season. Uh, we have the more, quote-unquote, normal racetracks where it's a lot easier to bet on. Uh, Daytona 500, it's a super speedway style of racing. They're in a big pack. They're all drafting together. You've seen the spectacular crashes. 
those are always on this type of racing. And so that can wipe out the bets, but also it can produce a lot of opportunities to grab longer shot stuff. So this is the type of race where it's fun to bet on because you kind of go into it just really knowing that anything can get swept away in an accident in, in that, you know, in a split second, but gives you the opportunity to hit on a lot of bigger bets, a lot of bigger numbers too. So that's a lot of fun. Um, when it comes to AJ Allmendinger, he's known for being a road course guy. Uh, he's the all-time winningest leader in NASCAR's Xfinity Series and road course wins. He's got plenty of Cup Series wins as well. A lot of people don't realize, also extremely good on the super speedway style of racing um, and continues to show up and do well, continues to be disrespected every time we come here by the books. Uh, last year, he raced in the Daytona 500, uh, finished in sixth place. Hadn't raced in the 500 since 2018 before that, but he was third place in that one. Um, and a couple of top tens prior to that, another third place back in 2017 when he ran it as well. The NASCAR Xfinity Series, which is like uh, AAA baseball basically for NASCAR, um, he's been very solid racing at Daytona there. His last four races, four top five finishes. So I've got my eye on A.J. Allmendinger uh, to get a top five this weekend. That number is at six to one. I think he'll be a, a really solid bet to to get into the top five at the end of the day. Cody, over at BetMGM, they have some pretty cool market uh, markets available. Top manufacturer, match bets, finishing position. Besides just the outright winner odds, do you have any bets or see any value in these derivative markets? Yeah, and so that's usually where you're going to make most of your money betting on NASCAR. Outrights are fun. Mm -hmm. A lot of times they're bigger numbers. You can hit them, and it's a lot of fun to hit. But you know, on a week-to-week -week basis, your head-to-head matchups, your top fives, your top tens, top manufacturer bets. That's really where you're getting into the meat and potatoes where you can really build your bankroll and, and make a lot of your money. Of course, you're still going to have the outrights too, because that's a lot of fun and, and you can get some pretty good advantages, but uh, all these other markets are really the way to go. As far as the head to heads, when you come to a super speedway, again, with it being such a coin toss for the wrecks and everything, I try to avoid those because you're not getting great numbers. Usually, you know, it's minus 110 plus 110 on either side. You're not getting a ton of advantage there, but like I mentioned with AJ, getting into the top five market. Um, you know, you can get down to some of these bigger numbers there. The top manufacturer bets, those are always a lot of fun, um, especially you target. Like Toyota's only got nine cars in this race. It's a field of 40, um, so there's a lot less of them. So to be the top finishing Toyota, you've only got to beat eight other Toyotas. Sometimes if you grab maybe the two longest shots in that group, now you've got two of the nine. All they have to do is beat the other seven. It's a good opportunity for you to, to take advantage of that. So uh, definitely. A group I would be kind of looking at would be Toyota specifically. You can get Jimmy Johnson, seven-time champion, uh, arguably, in my opinion, greatest NASCAR driver ever, 12-1. to 1. Um, He's the first, I believe, the first Hall of Famer to actually race in a NASCAR race post being put in the Hall of Fame. Um, so that's a lot of fun. John Ernemichek, 14-1 as well at MGM there. Honestly, you can grab both those guys, um, and, and that's a pretty good one to get. You get one of these wrecks, you know, three or four or five Toyotas get swept up in it, now they've only got to beat one or two other guys, and, and you're sitting pretty good for having a guy 12 to 1, 14 to 1 range. Cody, speaking of that derivative market, I see you have a car lift bet here on uh, one of the drivers. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested to know what a car lift bet is. So tell everybody uh, what that is and what the driver you like. Absolutely. Well, over on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, you know, the guys on the main show, they love to give out the ladders in football, right? You ladder somebody's props up. Well, in NASCAR, we don't have ladders. Not that they have ladders in football either, but that's okay. We have car lifts. So we like to ride the car lift up, jump on a guy, and basically just take him all across the board. 
Corey LaJoy is my guy for the weekend for that. Uh, if you listen to the NASCAR Gambling Podcast, he's a guy I'm on every time we come to this type of track because he's consistently in the mix. We had a hell of a sweat two seasons ago. Uh, almost hit him 250-1 to one to win a race. He was leading with two laps to go. Unfortunately, got wrecked and, and didn't lead it. But uh, So we're riding his car lift all the way up to the top this week. You're going to start with the top 10 number. He's plus 290 for that. You get him top five around 8-1. to one. Top three, 18 to one. Top finishing Chevrolet in the race, 25 to one. All the way up to the top of the car lift, 65 to one to win. Uh, it's a lot of fun to get in on these because, you know, you get into the top 10, you're having a pretty decent day, right? Then you start going up the ladder, top fives, top threes. If he wins the race, you're going to have yourself a, a heck of a weekend in the, in the betting on the Daytona 500. Awesome stuff. Daytona is definitely a huge deal, but what are some other races, Cody, that might be coming up that people should take notice on that might be worth, you know, placing a bet on? Well, I think they're all worth placing a bet on, of course. Uh, love <laughs> to bet on all of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, these first two weeks, it kind of starts off. We've got two super speedways back to back in Daytona Speedway and Atlanta Motor Speedway. Once you get to the third race of the season, going to Las Vegas uh, to the, the more normal oval mile and a half track. That's where you can really start to get into the numbers and start to find the advantages there. So that's kind of where the, the quote-unquote real betting season will begin when it comes to NASCAR. Um, so that's a lot of fun. Also, another thing, too, you know, NASCAR has their Cup Series. That's the main series that races on Sundays. But if you dig into the Xfinity Series and the Truck Series, the two steps below that, you know, they're widely available on all the books as well. Um, you can get a lot of good advantages there because, you know, not as many people kind of get into that market gives you an opportunity to, to kind of really jump on some stuff and stuff doesn't move as quickly and, and the books aren't quite as sharp on those two series. So it's a lot of fun to, to dig into those. The trucks are going to be taking place tonight over in, uh, over at Daytona this evening, actually will be the, the truck race. Cody, who are some drivers that you are looking to fade at Daytona? Yeah, actually uh, this might surprise a lot of people if, you know, just casual NASCAR fans, Kyle Larson a guy that I like to fade when it comes to super speedways. He is one of the best drivers in NASCAR, one of the best drivers in the entire world. This guy gets in anything and everything, races it good. He's racing five, six, seven nights a week on dirt tracks and sprint cars, late models, whatever he can get his hands on. He's going to do both the Indy 500 and the Coca-Cola 600 on the same day later this season, 1,100 miles of racing in one day on Memorial Day weekend, which is going to be a lot of fun. So, one of the best drivers in all the world, you know, most weeks favorite week in and week out. But when it comes to super speedways, he's just not good at them. He, he just can't quite figure it out. He'll hang through in the race and, and he'll look good. And then he always seems to get caught up in the wreck, can't avoid the big stuff. Um, so he's kind of a guy that has the books are starting to adjust a little bit, but he's still got the high name value where they don't want to slide him down too much. Um, but he's a guy you can find. I know he's matched up with his teammate Alex Bowman at 100 to 1 or uh, not 100 to 1, but at plus 100 on the Bowman side of things. I really like that matchup uh, there if you want to. He's a guy that I will specifically target matchups against um, when it comes to a track like Daytona. He's got 41 career super speedway starts uh, in his career. Only one time he's finished inside the top five. So just a guy that can't seem to catch a break. Um, and, you know, you come to a track like this, and anybody can win. The whole entire field at a track like this has the opportunity to win. Kyle just as much as anyone else, but you know, consistently, he just can't get it done. Uh, seems to always get caught up in the stuff. Can't seem to catch a break. And uh, one for 41, not a very good track record. So he's a guy that I always look to kind of go against. 
Cody, 8.3% of the tickets at BetMGM are on Bush to win. Who is your bet to win it all on Sunday? Yeah, well, I'm actually on on Kyle Bush as well. Um, this is actually a, a pretty crazy way to look at all this. If you want to get into the conspiracy things, it's kind of fun. So February 18th is when the race is scheduled this year uh, on Sunday. You go all the way back to February 18th is when the race was run in 2001. Dale Earnhardt was killed that day driving a Richard Childress Racing Chevrolet. The next time uh, they raced there, I think it was 2007, Kevin Harvick won in an RCR Chevrolet. The next time they raced on that date, I believe it was 2014, Austin Dillon won in an RCR Chevrolet. This will be the next time that we race at Daytona on February 18th. All signs point to uh, Kyle Busch in that RCR Chevrolet. Also, he's in the number eight car. If you look back 10 years ago, Dale Jr. won in the 88 car. Look back 20 years ago, Dale Jr. won in the eight car. So uh, all the RCR signs, all the number eight signs point to Kyle Busch this weekend. And not to mention, he's also very good at this. Uh, He's two-time champion of the sport. He's got over 200 wins between the top three series in NASCAR, one of the greatest of all time. This is kind of the one thing that's eluded him, and he's been close. He was leading at the end of 500 miles last year. Uh, Late caution flag sent the race into overtime, and he did not win. I think maybe he'll get his revenge this year and, uh, and get that. Cody, I am so in. I am so, I am a sucker for a good narrative bet, man. You have sold me. I love it. Cody Zeeb at Husker underscore Zeeb. Follow him on Twitter, writer for the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, co-host NASCAR Gambling and F1 Gambling Podcast. Really good stuff, Cody. Enjoy the race on Sunday, man, and talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me, fellas. Appreciate it. There you go. A lot of good stuff there from Cody Zeeb. Two hours down, two hours still to go. You better, you bet, presented by BetMGM, PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller are going to talk some college basketball next. We got a top five showdown tomorrow. We'll discuss that and a couple of other matchups here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.